Hello, spacers. Welcome to Starlight, a space opera. I'm Isaac, your host and GM for the adventures ahead. This show, whether you're watching or listening, is a labor of love, and one that we want to make the best for you. So if you can, take a moment to freely subscribe or share however is most comfortable for you. Thanks. Now let's plot a course to Starlight. You ever get tired of drawing maps and having your players ruin your hard work by teleporting away? Or using Charm Creature to avoid that glorious boss battle set in that laboriously crayon-drawn map? Yeah, <laughs> me too. Well, that's my problem no more. Starlight Maps and Battle Mats are now sponsored by the beautiful artwork of Loki Battle Mats from Lavish Palaces to cold alien caverns. They have a solution for everything. The maps come in big books that are easily transported, can be drawn on with erase markers, and immerse the players with a stunning reality. They'll forget they aren't actually standing by that pool of lava. And battle mats are only the beginning of what Loki has to offer. Want to know more? Go check them out. Or stop by our YouTube to see what they have to offer. Now, let's roll. Welcome back to Starlight. We are super glad to have you here. And this is the start of a super, super interesting episode or set of episodes. Why, you ask? Because we have someone extra special here. That's right. Forget about the other three. We have our first guest, Spencer Brownman, the athlete special. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm excited to get this game going. Uh, Isaac has introduced me to D&D over the last few months, and I've kind of enjoyed it a lot more than I originally thought I would. Um, so here I am today, and hopefully in the future, if I can make it through with the crew. Um, but yeah, excited to be here, and uh, hoping everyone enjoys my character, and uh, I think there's a lot of fun to be had today. Cool, and with that, let's do a quick round robin. I'm Isaac, your host and GM. To my left, I have Courtney, who plays McKenna Ali. And then to her left, we have Nathan Coots, who plays. I play Alice. And lastly, but not last in our hearts, we have Sam Williams playing Clive Jensen. All right. And with that, enough of my talking. Let's jump in to this episode and find out what's going on on the moon of Vindicus. And right, because like it's gonna be easy. You just drop off Doctor Hopper and you leave. Yeah, right. Exactly. I'm sure. Wrong. That's how D and D always goes. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Let me jump in. <clears throat> Neuralink, access memories. Accessing. Completing all their last-minute tasks on Thela, the spacers finally blast off. McKenna, having collected her adopted son, Sisa and Atlas preparing to make good on his promises to Boris Dukar, namely assisting Dr. Hoffer, a chief scientist and drow for the Tetsif arm in investigating a problem on a distant relay station, and smuggling goods to Boris's mistress on the planet of Indul. The spacers finally have time to kick back, relax, and get to know each other better as they embark on a seven-day hyper journey. But in actuality, a 92-day journey as the galactic clock spins. Things take a turn for the strange and grim, however, when upon exiting their hyperjump, they are inundated with all the news that they have missed, one being the triumvirate of the hand won as ruler over the Federation, and its speaker sounds strangely like the Sunmaker. And second, that an invasion of orc forces has now occupied the planet of Endul. Things just got more complicated, and time will tell if the spacers are up to it, but for now, it is time to head down onto the moon of Vindicus. Memories retrieved. All right, so we have one more vote of inspiration that came in. And this vote of inspiration was not given to me again. It was instead given to 
our guest player, Spencer. You were voted in. Ooh, so, nice. And, uh, there you go. Mark on your paper that you have one point of inspiration. You basically spend it when you want, and you can re-roll a die 20. Um, if you collect three, you can turn it into a nat 20, and you can also give inspiration away to other players. Okay. So, Sweet. Thank you. Thank you for voting for inspiration for our for our guest player. Uh, that will go to good use. But also, during the time on the C2, you guys found some leftover remnants of things left by the Sunmaker. So um, what you found was one thing of flesh spray. You found 200 credits worth in a data chip, a roll of duct tape. My personal favorites, you found a bow capitulator pistol. The pistol itself has a 15 foot range and anything within when you fire has to make a DC 15 constitution saving throw or it will shit itself. Um, wow. That has three charges a day. <laughs> You guys find one aerogel grenade. The aerogel grenade, when it's thrown, it doesn't really do damage. Instead, it creates like a expands into a massive block of aerogel that creates a 15 foot sphere. So, like, you can use it to cushion a fall if you're falling. You can use it to block a pathway. You can kind of get creative with it. And lastly, you find a short range Loxodonian sized jetpack that has a one minute burst that can let, allow it to fly for 30, like 30 feet at a time. That's actually pretty cool. One, one logistical question, the jetpack for Loxodon, would it fit anyone besides? No. So that's definitely going to me. <laughs> <laughs> then where we jump in is the light from the solar wisp glows off of the, off of the side of the C2, as the C2 begins to descend slowly towards Vindicus's surface. Dr. Hoffer is standing next to Clive and is pointing, you're going to go that way. Yes, look for the dome, yes. Yes, that's, just go ahead and pull up next to it. And we should be able to land on the landing strip and we'll hopefully have this up in no time. Clive, as you were flying, I need you to go ahead and make a perception roll. 12. You kind of sweep the land and you see a ship blown up uh, into many pieces. Just the main part of its hull left probably within about a mile of this domed building that you can now see. As you're flying the ship low across Vindicus, you see that it looks like a turbulent blue ocean with ice all over it. Dr. Hopper says, hmm, that doesn't look good. I doubt they survived. Continue that way. And uh, make sure you land on the landing strip. It's all nitrogen, frozen. And as you continue, there are various pings that come up onto the sensor board of the ship. Just and it starts to all kind of like corrugate into data that is essentially sending out an SOS. And you see multiple emergency beacons, one of which has arisen from the top of the domed building. Are we taking the ship down? I don't know. Are we taking the ship down, crew? I mean, we're kind of on a mission, right? Yeah, I say we just take the ship down. Figure out Before doing on. so, can I also do a perception check um, to see like if there's any like immediate threats to be concerned about? Yes. So you kind of hook up to the attic arraignment. 13. As Clive is beginning to pull the ship down, you see this like six-legged carpus like creature skittering across the ice. It's probably the size of a large hound. And as the engines and the, the energy that's coming off the C2 forces down, it skitters away down off the curve of a glacier and out of distance view. Okay. There, as the ship begins to land, there is, the doors to the dome begin to open with a and you see one single person standing there and she's, you can't hear what she's saying. She just looks, she looks frantic as she's waving her arms at you guys kind of like trying to rush you guys in, telling you to hurry. 
find yourself in a room illuminated by artificial lights you see this slender woman with dark hair she's wearing kind of like this like patchy science officer's outfit that's smudged in dirt and she is waiting at the foot of the uh, ramp to the dragon oh, you guys got the message oh god god thank you all of them gone to bubble you got the message you're the help I'm sorry. Uh, what message? The the emergency beacons. We've been we've been out of commission for weeks now. I'm I'm the last one here. Well, one of the last ones. Who else is here? Just a, a derelict. But he he's he's handy with a gun. He's good to have around. But oh man. Okay okay. I'm going to. Pack our things. I'm gonna go grab him. We are getting out of like, out of here. Um, can you explain what's going on? Explain. There's nothing to. No, she's quite right. Explain yourself. The woman pales for a second. Is something? We woke something here, trying to do the job that. That Boris wanted. We were setting up relays and the core we built down into the surface and I, according to every thing that I've read, the core warmed and thawed something. These creatures, these, these insects, and they laid waste to everything. They destroyed the core, they, they destroyed our ability, the relays and, and the systems used to get information out. It's it's a nightmare. I had to seal off the lower half of the station. Wow. You must be so tired. Oh, I am. I am. But now we can go. Well, let's make some tea and kind of simmer down a little bit. And then we can figure out next steps from here. Does that sound good? Make a persuasion roll. 26 with a nat 20. Okay. And do bring your friend. We'd love to meet everyone who's here. <laughs> There's not many of us. We'll come this way. There's still a few supplies left. He eats a lot. There's a few supplies left, though. We could probably spare some tea. Um, Dr. Montgomery, by the way. Nice to meet you, and I extend a hand. And she does the same to every single one of you. Dr. Montgomery, Dr. Montgomery. But you are eventually brought to a common space with like a pool table and like an area to watch TV, and you guys walk in to see a man with his feet reclined up, and he just kind of looks like he owns the place. Oh my god, finally some faces in here, Christ, I've been with this Dr. Montgomery for days now, and she barely feeds me anything, uh, I'm assuming you guys got the beacon and we're, we're heading out now, I've got places to go, and Jesus, I do not want to be on this uh, planet any longer the first thing you guys notice about him besides like the personality are these two lethal looking pistols strapped with an easy reaching distance from a bandolier at his hip well we're gonna make some tea and chat before we make any decisions it's already been decided what are you what are you talking about uh you got the signals right the beacons alice you got the beacons right yeah, we got the beacons, but a job needs to get done first, so we're not going to be heading out well, yet. Well, hold up just a minute there. Uh, if we're talking about a job, I'm not against doing a job, but I'm only doing a job if there's money involved for me. 
As far as I know, you guys are already being paid out by Boris. So once we get the job completed, then he'll obviously send the payment over. Well, I'm going to need a bit of an explanation on what is going on, what this job is. I'm not going to lie. I was getting tailed by uh, this ship a couple weeks ago. My crew all died. We got taken down. I don't know if you saw a ship out there on this uh, planet about a mile from where you guys landed. And uh, it's just me. So I've got really nowhere to be right now and I need some cash and uh, I'm not contracted by anyone right now so I, I'm down to join up and do what you guys are doing but uh, I really really think that being on this planet is a bad idea there's these disgusting almost I would say four-legged uh, cricket-esque things that just they're attracted to heat and and you guys aren't going to survive that long out here I can tell you that right now so I'll, I'll, t I'll tell you that and just leave you to it well now hold up now hold up here just one just one minute we don't even know who you are and you're coming in here telling us that we can't survive <laughs> so before we even continue who the hell even are you the name is sir don't ask too many questions and we'll leave it at that mm, see. all you got to know is that you piss me off and there'll be a bullet right in your head a laser oh, right in your head trust me i've already got one lasered right at you so before we continue and get on the ship that I'm piloting. How about you tell us who you are? Atlas, do you have any idea who this is? Do you have any idea that this person was gonna be here when we got here? No, I didn't get any information on him. I'm actually curious though, you said that your crew and you had joined up on the planet. What are you guys doing here? So, essentially what happened was we got in a little run in with uh, some authorities and uh, I'm not gonna not gonna sugarcoat it at all. I'm a, I'm a bit of a criminal. I like to steal things and sell them. That's that's sort of my thing. I've been doing it for a while. I'm 45 years old, and as you can tell by the scar on my face, I've seen a thing or two. So, uh, yeah, I. No one really tells me what to do, but if you guys are up to no good, I'm down for it as well. And honestly, like I said. I think that what you guys are involved with right now, I genuinely have no idea what is going on with it because I just happen to be here by coincidence. So at this point, I really have nothing on my plate and I'm down to work with you guys. However, like I said, I need some cash as well. Before we go any further to just know if something happens to one of you, I have no problem letting you die. One of my closest allies who has been a friend for a while actually made it off that ship alive with me, but one of those critters got to him and uh, let's just say I didn't I didn't help him. He died because I left him because I was trying to help myself. So just know that. Hmm. I don't know. That's, that's a pretty interesting thing to say to the group of people that you want to now team up with. I'm just telling you how it is. I don't like to lie. Hmm. Well, I do appreciate the uh, straightforward directness, but... I don't know. Atlas, McKenna, what do you guys think? Well, I always have a lot of thoughts. Um, I think, Clive, you should keep that bullet handy. And know that I will never leave you behind. And you will never be left behind by this crew. And with that in, in mind, I expect you to reciprocate. Especially if you plan to get off this planet. Yeah, it says, appears to me you need our help more than we need yours. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I'll give you all that. Uh, maybe I scratch your back, you scratch mine. I help you out with this task and you get me a ride off this planet. Well, that seems like a fair deal to me. I'm just curious, too. Is uh, You say yeah. you do some black market deals or stealing things or whatnot. Is there any organizations that, other than most likely the Federation, that you are not on good terms with? Luckily for you, I am one of the best disguisery type of guys out there. Uh, I usually have a false identity on me at all times, so you got nothing to worry about, and I can always uh, talk my way out of anything. So, oh, okay, I, I I'm pretty good with the, the authorities, and I'm not too concerned about getting in any trouble. I'm curious too, because. Obviously, if you're in that type of business, have you ever stolen from the Acers? Because I've heard that's really hard to do, but it would be a legendary feat. I have not. I have not stole from the Acers, although I do know people who have. And uh, 
you're right. It is a legendary feat. All right. Good answer. It is at that time, if you guys have been almost like kind of like talking, playing pool while having this conversation, that Dr. Hoffer and Dr. Montgomery returned from a corner where they were talking in hushed murmurs. You know, from the few times you looked over, it looked like Dr. Hoffer was almost scolding Dr. Montgomery. Dr. Hoffer's the first one to speak. She moves back a wisp of white silver hair. So, after running through some of the data, here is what I've noticed. What you will find and what you will see is that this system, this station is almost entirely inoperational. But I can get it to work again, at least to get messages there back and forth. There is no reason to scrap it and start over and build again when we can get it working and have people sent. What I need is an extermination crew to deliver <clears throat> Dr. Montgomery uh, a power core. <sighs> the creatures, uh, Onkeg as we are calling them, they destroyed the power core and it's about four levels down. It is crucial. It is what powers this place. If we can get that, we can overload and bring someone in divert that power to the singular dish and get at least one message or two out at a time and receive them. And then we can allow Boris to make the call as he sees fit. Exactly. Thank you, Dr. Montgomery. Dr. Montgomery has informed me that they do have a backup core and that simply it needs to be delivered. And that is where you come in, Atlas and your crew of the C2, and you, sir, if you want to leave this moon, for we aren't leaving until this is seen through. So you can help and finish this quickly, or you can wait and see what happens. But uh, something tells me you're not the kind to stay in one spot. I've got nothing else better to do, so... I'll join up with the crew for this one. Good, good. So Dr. Montgomery will prepare the core for you to take down. It is roughly about the size of a satchel. Uh, your mission will be to descend down to the fourth level where the power core is. Dr. Montgomery has informed me that she has sealed off everything below level two. You will likely find Ankeg down there, but her previous colleagues, before they were killed, managed to seal off the chamber that was allowing the creatures to bust in from what sounds like some sort of a burrow, closing the hatch down there. From the camera, we can see that there are still a few rooting around down there, but nothing that you can't take care of yourselves. Destroy what is down there. If it moves, if it breathes, if it creaks, if it means flutter, kill it. And Put the power core in place. I'll give you the codes to operate and open the door. Set it at the center of the pedestal between the arms. And one other thing. One of you will have to wear this. She steps back and points to the back of the room where you see a pair of lockers. And one of the lockers is open and inside you can see like a radiation suit. The inside of the area where the core is, and when it's activated and placed in the center, will flood with radiation. It will kill you in an instant. Well, maybe a few, but you won't like it. So you'll need to wear this. Unfortunately, it is quite cumbersome. And I imagine it will be hard to wear, and she knocks Clive's little armor with her knuckles to wear something like this and that at the same time. I'm assuming a loxodon cannot fit into that. <laughs> no, they're, they're normal no. person sized. Um, I love all this information you gave us. Thank you. Um, information is knowledge. Can we see the videos of what's going on down there right now to be prepared for what we're gonna run into? Of course, of course. She turns the data pad around after like activating it and she runs it back. 
see on level three, you see various of these chitinous creatures, kind of like brown in color, moving slowly across the ground. There's a quick fluttering and you even see one fly and attach to the wall. And then she moves it down to the bottom where you see the center where the core would be. Normally there would be a bright light coming from there. That's how we know that the core has been battered. You can also see the cracks. You can see where the door has been broken open. You will go down there. It's at the center of the room and you'll replace it. And as she says that, you see a lumbering shape walking through the room. And you see this is this dark shape of one of these creatures. But rather than like a normal like carpus, you see that its mandibles and its jaws almost look like they're made out of stone. Everyone who's looking at this make a perception roll. This way is a brute perception roll. Seven. Twenty-two. Right. Fifteen. Twelve. You see this like slow dust fall from its mouth. And when the dust touches the side of a railing, the railing begins to turn to stone. Oh. But like it almost has like this like mollusk like formation that sprouts off of it. One more question, and I'm turning to Dr. Montgomery. Um, since you have more experience here, um, and you've seen all the turmoil happening here, um, is there anything you might recommend we do while we're going down there to make our presence less obvious? A way to like make our heat sensing not so prevalent? Yes, of course, of course. I have been dumping myself with ice buckets. It sounds stupid, but it works. You oh. depress the core temperature just a little bit and it can give you those precious seconds that you need. <laughs> Ask him. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Those things were on me like rice on butter. It was crazy. They were literally attacking me because they could just feel my heat. And you know, the colder you are, the better chance you got. Okay, can we bring ice with us? Yeah, of course. I'm gonna need, need a lot of ice. Well, I have an idea. Is that, obviously I don't think we're gonna be able to cool off for enough time is that I can probably most definitely attract almost everything in the room because if they're based off of heat I can give off quite a bit of heat now with that is we can try to also do combine it with cooling down if some of you want to I just know with how my body is I'm not going to be able to cool down most likely so I can probably attract all of them but I need you guys to be fast because even though I can take care of myself, I don't know how many there are of these If you see one, creatures. there's a lot. I'll tell you that. Dr. Montgomery and I will stay up in the control center. We will monitor your progress, and we will communicate via our comm links, and we will open and close doors as you need. We will shut off your, like, so you're not ambushed from behind, and we will make sure that you are moving in the right direction. So if you need us to... Close off entrances, exits, activate lights, we can do that. I have one request. If I die, I need you to make sure that Sisa gets to Enduel and reconnects with his sister there. I can give you that information, but I need you to promise that will happen. Please. I promise. How serious is your promise? Make an insight roll. Wani. She is... It's hard to tell, like... You don't get the sense that she's a mean woman, but she's a business-first woman. And if Seesaw got in the way of her business, you, you'd get the feeling she would kick her life's work over him. Right, so I'm going to want this in a contract. Um, Dr. Montgomery, can you please sign the contract as well? Sure. And I'm going to write up a contract because contracts feel official. Um, and if I die in this mission, that gets to Caruth. Um, and, and they are reunited. Duly noted. Now. 
given to one of you in like a steel casing with metal rivets around it with like a single like data pad to open it is this kind of like egg-shaped device. This is the core. Be careful not to lose it. And again, I can only stress that when you open it, you want to be in that room with the door closed in the radiation suit. Who's going to be handling that? I'll take it. Unless anyone else wants it. I was actually going to say, the only one that can most likely actually wear this suit is you. Yeah, I can... My normal armor is a skin suit, so I should be good to throw on that radiation suit as well. And then, while we're preparing to go, Alice will clap a can on the back. You aren't going to die today. And then just kind of walk forward. Alice... Can you make me a promise as well that if you live, you take CSAP to assist her, Carice? I trust your word. You trust my word. You. Since when? I. You don't make a promise very often, but I have seen you commit to the commitments that you. Intake, so I don't need a contract with you. If I die, will you take CSA to Induel to reunite with his sister, Carice? Yeah, I'll take the boy, but. To be honest, I don't think any of you will die today. Okay, well, you have to make preparations when you have children. Would not know. <laughs> all right, McKenna. We don't have all day here, and I don't really care about you, so <laughs> let's just get going. <laughs> I think you just made an enemy. <laughs> you guys find yourself standing right before the port to where a lift would be. The, the lift is not available, the, the port is closed, and in your comlink buzzes a voice. Okay, you ready? I'm opening it now. port opens and you can see an area big enough for a lift to come up but there is no lift you can just see ladder rungs that lead down you guys are gonna have to climb down i know i know it's really inconvenient but we blew the uh the lift lines so that the creatures couldn't get up and down that makes sense to me how far down is it you're we're talking like levels to like a building so if it's like you get it on the fifth level up, it's four levels down. Great. I'm dumping an ice bucket on myself. What is the order in which you guys are going down the ladder? I'm going down last. I go first. Okay. And are you, you two are in the middle? Yeah. Okay. Immediately you are swallowed by darkness within the top closes. Alrighty. Sorry. You continue climbing down. Go ahead and make a perception roll, Atlas. Natural 20, so plus 2. 22. You hear the faint echoes of a... How close are we to level 3? You guys are just now passing level 2. You can see the... They haven't opened the doors to level two. I was trying to, through the comm link, I will tell everybody to be cautious and that most likely we'll be attacked pretty soon. Why don't you guys go on ahead and make a stealth roll as you guys are making your way down then. 24. <laughs> 13. Five. That's fitting for an elephant. 11. McKenna slips 
and her foot from like where it's like slick with water just goes and she starts to kind of like fall mckenna i need you to use any skill to catch yourself i know sorry is she right behind alice or is he she's right behind alice yes (laughs) (laughs) i'll just use survival to try to like grab onto something around me to stop myself that is a five you grab onto what you think is good, but your weight breaks the run. Alice will try to grab her. You go ahead and make an athletics check. Thirteen. You grab a hold of her. She's held in your hands, and then suddenly she starts to slip. And you are down to almost the fingers. I need Sir to go ahead and roll a die 100. Oh no, I hate when this happens. 80. The rung in your hand begins to bend, Atlas, but it's bending very slowly. Clive and Sir, you see all all this happening at once. The rung that McKenna broke finally hits the bottom of the shaft, creating this echoing. Great. Can I try to grab onto a rung near me? Go ahead and make an athletics roll. This is not good. 19. Grab onto the side and you hold still. You all kind of hold your breath and then it comes this. And you hear the sound of what sounds like buzzing. Atlas, you see out of the dark coming below you, two shapes flying straight up at you. Sorry, guys. Am I at the bottom now? No, you're right behind. But because I just fell and he caught me? Yeah, so you're, okay, yeah, you're in front of the line. Okay. I'll just try to shoot one of my burst axe shots with it. 18. It shoots just past McKenna's shoulder with a poof, deafening her in the ears. You watch this thing, this creature kind of ricochets back just a little bit, just... The two Onkegs come forth. As this first one comes up closer, you watch as it kind of rears its thorax, and you see almost like this like wasp-like stinger. And out of the stinger, this liquid sprays forth right at McKenna. McKenna, I need you to go ahead and make a dexterity saving throw. This is not good. 12? You take 10 points of acid damage as it splatters across you and he watches your skin starts to kind of burn and spread. And it actually, it's a line. So I actually need Atlas and Sir to both make dexterity saving throws. 17. Nine plus one, 10. 10, you take 10 points of damage as well, Atlas, as this spray just rips in a line across all three of you. I'm going to take a bonus action and cast Ensnaring Strike. You have to make a strength saving throw or be restrained by magical vines until the spell ends. Makes it saving throw. As your yep. nanobots kind of like flourish up around you, trying to hold them in place, it disperses it by forcing its wings out. And then I'm going to target the f- closest one with the rifle. That's going to be a 15 to hit. And then I am going to use a Horde Breaker. Is the other guy... He is diagonally away from him. So How many feet? Five. So I'm going to use Horde Breaker and take a shot at him too. And that'll be a 22 to hit. And then you also have to make a strength saving throw. He does not make it. Your nanobots circulate around him, pulling him to the side of the wall where immediately he's restrained. The creature just kind of like gnashing with its mandibles. Okay, and then while restrained, the target takes one die six piercing damage at the start of each of its turns. A creature restrained by the vines or one that can touch the creature can use its action to make a strength check against the spell save DC. I'm gonna grab, do we all have a bucket of water like in on us or no? I would say that McKenna lost her second bucket of water if she brought it. Yeah. Um, And I would also say that Atlas probably did too but you and Clive do. So I'm gonna just literally dump my one of my ice bucket waters on the enemies. So with the ice bucket, go ahead and make a, um, I'm just gonna do an, an athletics to like aim that down at them. 10. It, 
thinnesses splatters <laughs> across the wall with a poosh. Some of the ice hits the side of it, but it's still like flying straight at you. And also take a shot with my laser. Six. So it that's a miss. Uh, I'm sorry, guys. Bit of a waste of a turn right there. No worries. <laughs> uh, I'm going to use my grapple. And is there any anything uh, that I could maybe shoot the grapple and, and get a little bit closer, like on the side of this down area that we're you in? Could. You could. This is like where the like door is. It's not open, but there's like a bit of a door frame. You could shoot down onto that. You could also shoot onto like any of the rungs. Okay, I'm gonna shoot onto the door frame then. Okay, you're going to go ahead and make a uh, just an attack roll with that, and you're proficient in that, so you can use add your dexterity modifier. Fifteen. Dual wielding these two pistols, you jump and you go flying past everyone, past Atlas, past McKenna. You guys see this dark shape as Sir flies past these two onkeks, surprising them as they move out of the way without. And then just as he's going past them, he shoots the grappling hook up and that it goes up, catches the side, and holds him just below them. That was actually really cool. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty dope. That was cool. So I, I would like to do the laser pistol sneak attack this time. Oh, was a two. Oh. It fires off the side. The creature kind of turns, but it can only turn just a little bit because it's ensnared. I am going to use Chaos Bolt. Damn it, that's a nine. It misses. This bolt of black energy that seems to be alive <sighs> curls up out of McKenna. You're just watching as the nanobots are kind of like bursting into various colors as it splatters across the wall of the shaft. The Ankeg who can continues flying up towards McKenna mm -hmm. and bites you with these mandibles. These mandibles wrap around you and they start to pull you away. Your hand is grabbing onto the side of the rug, but it's slowly slipping. And at the beginning of your next turn, you can try to break the grapple. And then the other on keg, it doesn't break out of the ensnaring strike and it takes a bit more damage. The ensnaring strike kind of like starts to tighten around it and you can see lacerations building its body. I'm gonna take a shot at the one that has grapple McKenna, but can I use precision shot and act as if it, the mandibles were his hands to try to get it off of her? Because it says it drops whatever they're holding, but I didn't know if that would count as... I think with that wording, I think we can do that. 24 to hit? You fire right into the mandible, nearly kind of like, you break off a part of the mandible, but it still holds strong. It manages to stay onto McKenna, holding her with a 17. It falls limp for a second. And for, it's hard to tell if McKenna's holding it or it's holding it. It is looking extremely, extremely bloodied. I'm gonna follow up what Clive just did and, and actually go for the burst shot as well with my laser pistol on the uh, on the one closest to me. This one's looking extremely bloody too. The only reason it doesn't fall is it's literally being held in place by the nanobots still streaming out of Clive's body. Um, I have no more shots. I'm just gonna click like the tactical spears. Try to chuck it at the uh, closest one. Natural one. The spear goes flying past McKenna, past the Onkeg, and into the darkness. But the, the power with which Atlas threw it, his hand slips and he goes tumbling into the back of McKenna. I need you, McKenna, to make a strength saving throw. Oh boy. 20? Now you have the weight of Atlas on your back and this creature holding on to you. But I just caught Atlas as he was falling and I'm the reason Atlas is not falling to the ground. <laughs> so the creature that's entangled, you said that the only thing that was keeping up was the fact that it was entangled. Yep. So if I canceled it would he just fall maybe I'll, I'll do a roll for him to see what happens i'm gonna try it okay so you drop it sir you watch as these uh nanobots suddenly disappear and this creature goes tumbling past you mckenna how much health are you at 
14. The Onkeg is grappled on to McKenna, biting down into you with a nat 20. Eight points of damage sinks into you. And then it starts to pull you away. I need you to make a strength saving throw with disadvantage because of Atlas's force and it pulling you. Oh. Oh boy. That is a three. McKenna, it can't hold your weight. It lets go as you go falling into the dark. As I'm falling, I just want to like scream, remember your promise. <laughs> Wait, does that mean I'm falling too? Mm. Uh, yes, actually. <laughs> I'm trying to grab onto a rung. You can use a choice of skill. Survival. That is an eight. I'm going to try to use my inspiration. Fifteen? You managed to grab onto the rung with a... <sighs> And you just barely hold on. Oh, thank you to whoever gave me the inspiration. <gasps> I'm grabbing onto the on kick. Whatever skill you want to use for that. I mean, I'd prefer athletics. Uh, not one plus six, seven. Okay, wait, no, I'm using my inspiration. Eleven plus six, seventeen. 17. Managed to grab okay. onto him. The on keg immediately drops with you. You are plummeting for a little bit, but its wings are flapping so feverishly that you start to slow down. I'm choking it out. So it's the Onkeg's turn. It's going to try and break free. So it's going to roll an athletics check versus yours. That's a six. Athletics versus me? Yeah. That's for 20 plus six. 26. All right, you hold on to it. You can feel some of the carcass breaking beneath your like iron grip. Quickly and quietly, I'm going to just scale down and get down to the bottom. I'm gonna flick my flashlight on, put it in my mouth, and have it on just so I can see, have a little bit better of a, of a sight of what's going on. Real quick too, what floor can I see coming up? I would say you are like right level of floor three right now. And how far is that from me? Five feet. Okay. Yeah, I want to choke it out, but can I like, like the whole like uh, wrangling kind of thing and just try to like whip its neck and everything to floor three? Okay. So, first you're gonna make the string roll and then you're gonna do an acrobatics with it. Okay. I rolled a nat one. Make an acrobatics check. <laughs> okay. 19. Yeah, so you feel its neck begin to break. <sighs> I see you, I see you! And then the floor opens with a make it down to the bottom. And the very first things that you guys hear from down there is the sound of water moving slowly. It almost sounds like there's like like something in water swimming around in it. You get kind of like look around, your eyes getting used to the dark, and you can see that there is like a half-closed door to your right, and there's a hallway that continues in the opposite direction with some stairs that lead down. That's the cistern over there. That, that's where we get our water supply. You can you don't have to worry about that. The way to the core is down that hallway. I have the door sealed off, and I'll open it as you guys get closer. Can you check to see if something is in the cistern? I would, but the cameras are all covered. It's like there's like a film all over them. Well, thank you. Glad you're kind of climbing down as you see Atlas chilling the last of this creature. And you see what appears to be like hallway that leads to like open sleeping quarters. It looks like another kind of like mess hall down the, down the way. There are bodies kind of like littered all over the place. Most of them have been disemboweled in the center. You can see like broken white eggs from within the body where things were hatched within. Ugh. Oh, man. Clive is going to make his way down to <clears throat> McKenna okay. so that he can heal her.
thank you. I don't know how this healing process works, but I am thankful nonetheless. Slowly, like the nanobots, um, similar to as Clive, what's, what Clive's done before, begin to flow around your body and stitch the wounds closed. Then I will use the spray flesh when I get down. Okay. So it's two die four plus two. It must be. I'll mark it off. Thank you for listening to this episode of Starlight. If you enjoyed this, please like, share, subscribe. For early releases, exclusive RPG content, and other bonus material, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com starlightadventures. And to reach us for questions to be aired, email us at thestarlightadventures at gmail.com. See you next Tuesday, spacers.